we're going to continue on in the series, The Power of Your Confession. And, uh, but we're going to go a little deeper. Because to talk about your confession, you have to go a little deeper on where it should come from. And I got to tell you, the foundation of, of everything is Satan is going to try to capture your imagination. And he's going to try to do that. The battlefield of your life is in your mind. So in order to speak right, you must, according to Romans 10, right, you must believe right. If you've been around here very long, especially for some reason, well, I know why. It's because what the Lord said about 2019 for us, we have been living in Romans chapter 10. In order to call on the name of the Lord, you have to, you can't call on him unless you believe on him. You're not going to speak healing if you don't believe it, right? But you're never going to believe it if you don't hear it, right? So you have to have ears to hear. And here's the thing. God wants you to hear his thoughts. Now, how he accesses your mind is through your spirit. He talks to your spirit man. The Holy Ghost on the inside of you is speaking to you. He's leading you and guiding you into all the truth. And then you, the spirit man that you are, communicate that to your mind. God doesn't ever talk to your mind. Okay, you got to know that. Satan can't talk to your spirit. He can't touch you. There's, he's darkness, your light. In the same way he could never invade heaven again, he can't touch you because you, your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. So what he does to access and control your life because he's been stripped of all of his power, he has to get you to believe his lies. So he throws thoughts. So Romans 7, it, you know, the first chapter... Actually, the book of Romans, the first seven chapters of Romans, Paul is describing in detail the bondage of the sin nature that we have in our flesh. He's describing it in great detail. You know, the sin nature in your flesh is your main enemy. Don't ever think Satan's your main enemy. He's defeated. It's the sin nature in your flesh that you have to deal with and we all have to deal with it. Somebody says something that you don't like and you have an opportunity. You know exactly, if you're in the word, you can know exactly the difference. Your flesh wants to say something and your spirit wants you to shut up or say something different, right? Somebody cuts you off on the road, your flesh wants to tell them all about it, your spirit is saying no. Right? I mean, it's, it's really amazing. We talk about how the Holy Spirit just convicts us of sin. Nope. Your spirit convicts you of sin. He convicted us of the sin of rejecting Jesus. But since we've accepted Jesus, your, your spirit is the one. Your spirit's going, yeah. Right? Whenever your unrenewed mind decides to side with that sin nature that's in your flesh... 
and do a sinful or an unrighteous behavior, your spirit, that conviction, what that is, is your mind is sensing that your spirit does not like it. And we call that inner turmoil, right? But I got to tell you, there's a way out. We have already been delivered from this. Not going to be. We've already been delivered from this body of death. I love it. Satan and the world system are the other two enemies that we have. But number one is the sin nature in your flesh. You know, I mean, if you, if you watched, what was it? Was his name Lamont Wilson? Flip, Flip Wilson? What, what, what was it? The big statement? The devil made me do it? Boy, you don't think that was in, wasn't inspired? Satan wants you to think that the devil can make you do things. But the reality for you and I as Christians is no. The devil doesn't make you do anything. We decide and choose. Praise God, because we have the greater one on the inside of us, because we, we are hearing the word of God on a regular basis and we're meditating in the word, we will choose life so that we will live and our children. It's a great blessing. People get stuck in Romans chapter 7. You, you know what the Romans chapter 7 roller coaster, it's called, it, this is what it is. It's, I, maybe you've never done this. Maybe I've just got on this ride myself. I've decided to shut this one down. Have you ever been on it though? You sin. Then you repent. Right? You sin. Then you repent. Then you go around this turn. And oh, you sin again. Then you repent. Then you sin again. Then you repent. And you read Romans chapter 7 and you kind of feel pretty good because you're thinking, well, see, Paul had the same problem. But the problem is we didn't read the end of the chapter. Because this is what happens on this roller coaster ride. If you ride it long enough, you'll go from sin to repent to sin to repent because you're trying to do it. And eventually, the end of the ride, you know on a roller coaster, you kind of come into the end. And, and maybe on a roller coaster ride, you're coming into the end, and you're like, wow, that was awesome. But I'm kind of glad that's over. <laughs> but see, this ride's a little different. This ride, when you're kind of coming to the end, what the end is, I'm giving up. I'm not going back to that church I'm tired of hearing this. I've been trying to overcome this sin habit in my life for 20 years. I, I've lived in guilt, shame, and condemnation for 20 years, and I'm just done. So if I, you know what? I'll, I'll go to church. I'll go to church in my living room. I'll sit and I'll watch it. Now, all the people watching online, I'm not getting down on you, right? <laughs> if the Holy Spirit's convicting you, get in church. Whatever. But, but you know what I'm saying? So we just, we just sit at home. And, and then maybe we just don't read the Bible too much. And all the time, we are victorious people that just have never been taught that we already have been given the victory. So we want to talk about this because if Satan can get you to take his thoughts and how you take a thought is by speaking it, he can control your life. 
Because as we've seen, and go back and listen to the other two messages, you know, we've talked a lot about how life and death is in the power of your tongue, that we're snared by the words of our mouth, that the Bible truth is absolutely, you will have what you say. So we got to get this right. So turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 7. You know, actually, I might just read a little bit of this. Where I'm wanting to get to is verse 22. I'm just going to take my time. You know, I have 20 or 16 pages of notes, and we're definitely not going to get to them. You know, what's going to happen is the, the just the, that's going to start seeping through the door, the wing thing, you know? And people were, I'm going to start losing you guys after a while. No, I'm just teasing. Romans chapter 7, verse 1. I'm just going to read this. Hopefully we're going to get to verse 22 because that's where I really want to get to. It says, Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he lives. Whew. Isn't that good news? Because guess what? Faith, family, church, we are a dead church. I am so glad we're a dead church. Aren't you dead? We're to live like we're dead. Because if, you, if you're not dead to sin, if you don't live like a dead man, I'm a walking dead man. This flesh, I am not going to let it live. Now, I'm alive in my spirit, but I, I don't live alive in my flesh. I'm going to dominate my flesh. Now, you never heard a pastor say that before. Praise God, my church is just dead. Man, that means we're walking free from our flesh. That means we're a church of signs, wonders, miracles. God can do anything in your life that he wants to do because you never get in his way. See, if you're alive, then you're under the law, but we're not under the law. Aren't you glad? Do you know the law? You couldn't keep it. It was like 490 laws and precepts and all this stuff. It was designed to show you that you needed the Messiah Jesus because you couldn't keep it. It says here, verse 7, or verse 2, For the woman which has a husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he lives, but, the, but if the husband is dead, she's loose from the law of her husband. So then if, while her husband lives, she be married to another man, she be called an adulteress. Now, everybody thinks that Paul's talking about marriage. But he's talking about the conflict between your flesh. He'll be called an, or she'll be called an adulteress. But if her husband's dead, then she's free from the law so that she's no longer an adulteress, though she be married to another man. Wherefore, now get this, verse 4, my brethren, you also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ. That's good news. What do you mean, Pastor? I'm so glad you asked, because that's a great question. What that means is every sin you've ever committed or ever will commit was once and for all condemned in the body of Jesus. It's gone. You died with him. Satan doesn't want you to know this. You died with him. The Bible says, chapter 6, 
you were crucified with him. You were buried with him. Well, now wait a minute, Pastor. I'm, I'm 25 years old. That happened 2,000 years ago. Yeah, yeah, there's positional truth and there's temporal truth. You have to understand that. Positionally, right now, you and I are at Faith Family Church in Omaha, Nebraska on the earth, right? But, or that this is temporally, we're here. Are you here tonight? Right? If you pinch yourself, if, you're, if you wonder, you're here. Temporally, this is where you are. But positionally, the word says you are seated with Christ in heavenly places tonight. Wow, that's pretty cool. You have to understand that. See, 2,000 years ago, I was crucified with Christ. Then I was buried with him when he was buried. The same power in, in Romans 8.11 that raised Christ from the dead, it's called kratos power. See, enough power came into Jesus rose him and you and I and every other human being ever who will ever live, rose them up because we were raised with him. And now we're seated with him in heavenly places. So let's, let's keep going with this. Wherefore, my brethren, you also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that you should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. That's good news, isn't it? For when we were in the flesh, the motions of sins, which were by the law, did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. So see, before Jesus... When it says members, it's talking about your flesh. We had no... See, this is the thing. You don't go to hell because of your behavior. You go to hell. You go there. You're not sent there. You choose to go there because of your nature. You don't go to heaven because of your behavior. You go there because of your nature. I've been born again. I'm no longer spiritually dead. When I realize that, that will affect... See, when I realize and walk in a revelation of my righteousness, now I can walk in holiness. But if I don't understand who I've been made in Christ, I'll never be able to walk holy because I'm going to try to do it in my own and I'm always going to beat myself up because this nature that's still in my body is going to mess and try to connect with my unrenewed mind and bring me, the spirit man, in in to captivity. Paul's talking about this. So let's keep going. Verse 5 again. For when we were in the flesh, the motions of sins which were by the law did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. But now, say that after me, now. Now, now here's what now means in the Greek. Say this. Now means now. now, means now. So that would be tonight. Does that make sense? So right now, but now are we delivered from the law that being dead wherein we were held that we should serve in newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. Verse 7, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? 
No, God forbid, nay. I had not known sin but by the law. For I had not known lust except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. But sin, taking occasion by the commandment, wrought in me all manner of concupscience. Now, if you just look that up, that's, that's like a superfluity of naughtiness thing, okay, in the King James, right? It just, it just produced all kinds of death in me, right? It caused me to do things I didn't want to do, in other words. It says here, for with verse 8, for without the law, sin was dead. See, that when the law was given, sin was revealed, which caused me to die. But that's okay. See, here's the rule. If you're only born once, you're going to die twice. But if you're born twice, you only have to die once. And I use the term die very loosely. It doesn't mean taste spiritual death, because Jesus did that. It just means separation. So when we die as a Christian, listen, all that happens is our earth suit wears out and our spirit steps out of it and we're with Jesus. Right? So verse 10 and the commandment which was ordained to life I found to be unto death. Verse 11, for sin taking occasion by the commandment deceived me and it slew me. Why? Because the wages of sin is death. Wherefore the law is holy and the commandment holy and just and good. Was then that which is good made death unto me? God forbid. But sin, that it might appear sin, working death in me by that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. Verse 14. Now, I'll bring all this together. So you might be sitting here going, what? I love the way God wrote the word, the way he breathed the word, because it's life to those that find it. You have to literally meditate on this to see it. But just think of it this way. What Paul is saying is the law came and sin was revealed. And when I chose sin, I died. That's all it's saying. Okay? So keep that in mind. Because see, when you accept Jesus, you, you literally die to sin. Here's a big statement. Your spirit can't sin. Can't. Well, well, yeah, but pastor, why do we have to confess our sin? You're confessing your sinful and unrighteous behavior. You're not confessing your sinful nature because your spirit can't sin. When you sin, it's not your spirit. It is your flesh siding with your mind, and it, that's you're doing the behavior of sin. But you've already been dead to sin. Everybody would just come after Paul. They were called the Judaizers, and they were just like, man, he's teaching this hyper-grace message. That's ridiculous. Don't listen to him. That's what they would say. 
Because he, he's saying you can just do anything you want. No, no, read what Paul said. He's saying no. No, because see, Paul knew this. When you know you've been made righteous, now you'll be able to walk free from sinful and unrighteous behavior. That's the road. But if you don't know that, if you're just an old sinner that's been saved by grace, well, if you're still an old sinner, you were not saved by grace. It's impossible to be a sinner saved by grace. Now, I was a sinner, I was saved by grace, and I am no longer a sinner now. Now, when I realize that, I can walk free from sinful and unrighteous behavior because I realize, wait a minute, I'm dead. I'm not under the law anymore. I'm under grace. Boy, will that, that rid the body of Christ of guilt, shame, and condemnation. But I'm telling you, all the you could just feel it. Even when you say that, these religious spirits just start shaking and getting upset. Right? Even some of them, man, I'll still, I'm like, wow, there's got to be a closet in me somewhere because I could still feel like, wait, why am, I having a trouble, why am I having trouble saying that? It's the word. So let's keep going. It says here, verse 14, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. See, carnal Christians love this because they don't really study it. They just read these verses and go, yeah. Oh, I just feel what Paul's feeling. It's like, okay, great. But, but grow up. Read the rest of the chapter so that you can walk free from this, right? For that which I do, I allow not. For that which I would, that I do not. But what I hate, that I do. Now, I know I read that kind of fast, but every one of us got that. Because we've all lived it, right? How many of you have ever just, you have a sin habit in your life, that nobody else knows about, and you do it, and you just feel so exhilarated for the next four hours after you do it. <laughs> yeah. Right? That's your spirit that's just going, what you're doing is not who you are anymore. But before you're born again, see, here's the difference. A Christian could look just like somebody who's not born again can do the same things. The only difference is the, the guy who's not born again, he just doesn't really beat himself up about it because he's spiritually dead. But the Christian who's alive on the inside, his spirit's going, will you please read your Bible? Because, man, this is not the way we need to live. So this is what Paul is describing. Paul's describing himself. I love that. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it's good. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but the sin that dwells in me. Okay, hold on, Paul. Wait a minute. Did you just say, when I sin, it's not me who's sinning, but it's the sin nature that's doing it? Sounds like a cop-out. I mean, did you see the videotape, Paul? You did it. That was you. Paul saying, no. You got to get this. 
Because if the Bible's true, then your spirit can't sin. If you don't ever figure that out, you'll never walk free from sin. We might get letters on this sermon. That's all right. We have several shredders here. It's awesome. It's awesome. Isn't that funny? Yeah, I've had people get mad at me before. Did you read that? I read about the first three sentences. Well, what do you mean? Well, I shredded it. What? Yeah, no, that was not life-giving. That's, see, God created the shredder for a certain purpose. And there's another thing he created, too. You might want to take advantage of it. It's called a delete button on your email. Next time somebody's going to start beating you up, delete. Yeah. And when you see them, just smile and just go, yeah, I deleted it. Yeah. Because then you could walk away, you just, listen, I love you. I know you might be upset at me right now. Just, just forgive me. But if you send it to me again, I'll delete it again, right? Because you don't have time for that. Because there's somebody, there's somebody in each of your lives that will beat you up. Well, I don't know how I got off on all that. There's somebody that will beat you up worse than anybody else in your life, and it's you. It, it, and really, well, let's, let's be real accurate. It's your flesh. Your spirit won't beat you up. But your flesh and your unrenewed, <laughs> unrenewed mind, really, I, that was a Freudian slip, the unrenewed mind whines, right? So it's an unrenewed whine. That will beat you up too. Hallelujah, that's a joke. There we go. Look at this though. Let's keep going with this. It's, it's just amazing how you could see this conflict. Verse 17, Now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwells no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. See, what Paul is describing is the sin nature in your flesh is constantly trying to pull you. One of the greatest things about being in heaven, number one, Jesus and our Father, the mighty, you know, all this stuff, great. But man, number two, the first thing we're going to do when we step out of our body is we're going to go, wow, I have, I have no, I don't ever have to deal with a sin nature in my flesh anymore. When the glory of God comes over your physical body, it's going to be your same body. But when you get your renewed body, it won't have the sin nature in it anymore. Every, every person who's offended at you right now, you might not even know why. Don't worry about it. If you don't get it fixed here, it'll be fixed there. Everybody will be up in heaven. They'll walk by that person that they just hated for 20 years and just go, and they'll be like, yeah, no problem. Right? I mean, it's just like, yeah, I know. You know? I mean, because we won't have that anymore. It's, it's the nature that's pulling us. Why am I talking about this? Because this is why you take wrong thoughts. This is why you believe what's going on in your body instead of believing Matthew 8, 17 or Isaiah 53, verse 4 through 6. This is why you believe, well, I'm sick. No, you're not. You've been healed. That means you are healed. Do you know your spirit can't be sick? 
Do you know the healing power of God will flow out of your spirit and heal your body? Right? So let's keep going with this. I'm just going to start in verse 19. For the good that I would do, or for the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that which I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. That's the second time in this chapter that Paul has said, when I sin, it's not me. That's two times in one chapter. That's the Holy Spirit going, hey, get this. I find that, verse 21, I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. So now let's look at this. Let's really break this down. Verse 22. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. What is your inward man? That's your spirit. Your spirit delights in the word of God. You could be sitting here tonight going, man, pastor, I haven't read the Bible in a decade and I have no desire to. Every time I read it, I fall asleep. It's the most boring thing. I have no idea what it's saying. And then you teach out of the King James Version. Are you kidding me? Right? I don't even know what it's saying half the time. See, I love the King James Version because, see, where people try to learn how to read faster, I discipline myself to read slower. Because every, when I'm going through this, I have to... Because, you know, after you're in it for a while, you, read, you start reading, you could finish it. Oh, yeah, you could finish. You could quote that scripture. But that just because just you could quote it doesn't mean you have revelation of it. Right? For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, after my spirit. But I see another law in my members. That means my flesh. I delight in the law of God. You could say it this way. I delight in God's word in my spirit man but I see another law in my members. Warring against the law of my mind. So notice this conflict. I see another law in my members. With my spirit, I delight in the law of God, but I see another law in my members. Now, the natural progression would be, if you're going to talk about a conflict, that you would talk about the conflict between your spirit and your flesh. But that's not what it says. It says, the law that I delight in in my spirit, man, I see another law in my members. What does that law do? It wars against the law of my mind. It doesn't war against my spirit. Because the mind is the battlefield. Satan knows your mind is your control center. If he can capture your mind and you think thoughts that are his, see, what he does is he will throw thoughts and try to get you to take them because when you take them, now they're your thoughts. And you are self-deceived. You think you can't. You think you're not healed. 
You think you're not at peace. You think you're at, in fear. Do you see that? It wars against the law of my mind. What is the law of my mind? We know from study that the law of the mind says this. When you sow God's word in your heart, your behavior comes out of that. So if you want to change any area of your life, you just simply have to put the word of God in your heart. You are self-programmable. And you have no limits. Yeah, but pastor, I've been walking this way for 60 years. Okay. Here's the good news. You could decide tonight to walk a different way. Now your flesh is going to yell and scream and yell and scream, but it doesn't matter because it doesn't have the final authority. I mean, you can literally, I mean, you could even, if you started speaking it, get to the point where you ate a Brussels sprout and liked it. It's crazy. I'm not ready to do that yet. <laughs> but I'm telling you, any addiction that's in your life right now, you could walk free from it. And what do you start doing? You start literally embracing God's thoughts and you start speaking his thoughts and it'll change you because his thoughts mold and shape. In the same way, Satan's thoughts which come from his words, will mold and shape. We see that in the Garden of Eden with, with Eve. So it says, But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me, bringing the spirit man that I am, into captivity of, or to the law of sin which is in my members. See what happens, I have this sin nature in my flesh, it's not me. But I have no sin nature in my spirit, so what happens is the enemy will throw thoughts into my mind, and all hell, circumstances, he'll use people, he'll try to keep you away from anybody who's going to help you grow spiritually. He definitely wants to keep you away from a church where you're supposed to be planted in. He'll, I mean, he does not want you in that environment because if he can get you out of that environment, now he could plant thoughts and pretty soon you start taking them. And what happens is as you start speaking thoughts that are not from God, it starts to build a picture inside of your imagination. We call it a vain imagination. It, it's a picture of you living your life in a way that's outside of the realm of the way God says life is. And then what will happen is he will keep trying to keep that behavior going so that he could build a stronghold in your mind. But the anointing breaks the yoke. This is why we teach on worship. Because I'm telling you, in that secret place of worship, vain imaginations, strongholds are just disintegrated. Because you're, just, you're not about yourself. You're passionately pursuing him out of your spirit. And it affects your mind and it'll affect, it'll, it'll keep your flesh under. Right? So this is what's happening. What happens to you and I 
All day, every day, is the enemy's going to use people, circumstances. He's going to use TV if he can. He'll use music. He'll use your job. He'll use anything. He'll use, he loves using every mistake you ever make down to every word you say that you shouldn't say. All this stuff to try to get you to start speaking these things because he knows you will have what you say. He knows that the power of death and life are in your tongue. If he can't get you to speak it, he can't do anything with you. The Bible says if you'll change your mind, we call that repentance, you can change your whole life. This is why even John said, Beloved, I pray above all things that you would prosper and be in health, here's the disclaimer, even as your soul prospers. This, this is, you know, I think Henry Ford said this years ago, and it, it's straight from the Bible. If you think you can, or if you think you can't, you're right. Then God would come in there and say, so, think you can. Because you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. So it says here, For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. This is verse 22. But I see another law in my flesh, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me, the spirit man that I am, into captivity to the law of sin which is in my flesh. Look at this, verse 24. O wretched man that I am. This word wretched means afflicted. This means a man who is enduring toils and troubles. He says this, Who shall deliver me from this from the body of this death. Notice he didn't say what. Because we always think of what we need to do to walk in victory. And it's not what. It's who. And the who is Jesus. You need to know this. Because see, Paul in verse 25 answers the question, who's going to deliver me from this body of death? Look at what he says. I thank God, and then he gives us our answer, through Jesus Christ our Lord. See, this wretched man, is Paul talking about who he was spiritually, or is he talking about his flesh? He's not talking about his spirit. Your spirit is not a wretched man. See, your spirit is untouchable, but the control center is your mind. Paul's not talking about his spiritual condition. we got to get this right. Romans is one of the most misunderstood books in the Bible, and this is why it's hilarious if you ever hear some teaching on it, because you, when you, if you study it, you're like, wait a minute, you're not rightly dividing that. But, but it's hard on your flesh to study Romans. Because you're like, wait a minute. So I'm really free 
You know, it's hilarious how we as Christians, we'll come into church and, you know, we'll just sing about how we're free. And, and we could do that for decades and never know we're free. It's really amazing. This is why the level of worship is increasing in our church. Because we have people singing that they're free who are really starting to see that they are free. See, this thing always was, is, and always will be all about Jesus. It's not about you. If it was about you, we're done. But no, no, because of Jesus, he made you the righteousness of Almighty God in him. He blessed you with everything. Isn't that good news? Man, pastor, that's good news. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So this is literally what this says. This is the answer. God has, past tense, delivered me from the body of this death through Jesus Christ, my Lord. Wow. Let's say that with me. God has, past tense, delivered me from this body of death through Jesus Christ, my Lord. If you have been delivered, you are delivered. You're already delivered from the body of death. Now, does that mean you'll never have to keep it under control? No. Nope. As long as you're in the body, you're going to have to beat it black and blue. You're going to have to tell it how it's going to feel today. Because it'll feel depressed and you're going to have to go, nope, we're joyous. You might feel stressed and you have to go, no, I'm peaceful. You might have to go, you know, you're just feeling, man, I'm just so alone. And you got to go, nope, I'm never alone. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. Nothing can separate me from his presence. As a matter of fact, I will never be anywhere alone again. Now, some of the mothers in here with small children are going, wait a minute, i got to be alone a little bit. <laughs> Sorry, you might get rid of the kids for a little while, get a little break, but you'll never get rid of Jesus because you're one with him. Wow, isn't that good news? Amen. It says here, so then with the mind, I myself, now he's talking about I, the spirit man, serve the law of God but with the flesh, the law of sin. See, Jesus has delivered me, so now my spirit man serves the law of God. This word serves is real interesting. It literally means to yield my thoughts to the whole counsel of God. So I'll read this literally. So then with the mind... I myself yield my thoughts to the whole counsel of God. The, the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Now, you got to get this. So then with the mind, the spirit man that I am causes my mind to yield all of its thoughts to the whole counsel of God. Did you get that? That's in the literal Greek. 
My spirit is what causes my mind. It tells my mind we are yielding. Notice, to serve, it has to be the whole counsel of God. So if you're sitting here tonight going, you know, I'm just not willing to forgive, okay, you're going to be ruled by your flesh your whole life. Yeah, but you know what? Okay, I'll do everything but that tithing thing. I'd love to tell you, yeah, God will never beat you up for not honoring him in your finances, but you're not going to be yielded to the whole counsel of God. Why don't you just do this? Because if, you're, if there's an area of your life and everyone if in the secret place of our own life, you know the area. People get mad at pastors when they talk like this because it's not me, it's you know your area, right? But whatever that area is, why don't you just go, you know what, I'm just going to try something different. I'm just going to try it God's way. That person who hurt me more than anything in life I'm just going to forgive them. You know, it's, I've been hating them my whole life. I might as well try something different. Right? What do they say? The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over, trying to get a different result. You know, when you're offended, it's like you drink deadly poison trying to get back at your enemy. That's how silly, but your flesh is silly. Your, I mean, your flesh, your flesh, if you feed it, will want to put something up to your mouth and suck in smoke into your lungs. Inject a deadly poison into your veins for a feeling. And it'll, it'll take you all the way to death in that area. Lust, it'll get you so into lust that it will literally rob you of all sexual fulfillment. It all, everything in your flesh, it leads to death. Well, I just want to be, the whole world, I just want to be my own man. I'm a self-made man. There is no such thing. You're either serving God all the way or you're serving Satan. There's no, like people who don't know God, well, I'm an atheist, I just don't believe in God. Okay, if that makes you feel better, but it doesn't change anything. And guess what? There are no atheist demons. There's no agnostic demons. And as a matter of fact, the agnostic and the, a the atheist, they're a dying breed. The moment they die, they're no longer an atheist or an agnostic. The moment somebody dies without Christ and they see, the first thing they see is the angel of death. And if an angel from God said, fear not, I wonder what they look like. Because see, here's the difference. You know, once it's over, it's over. And then you're taken to a place and incarcerated by the angel of hell until the great white throne judgment when you'll stand before a judge, the God of the universe, who still loves you so much that even though he's all-knowing, he's still, in the, in the presence of everybody, willing to look like he made a mistake. And he says, open the book of life one more time. We just got to make sure their name is not still in there. Because every human being's name was in there to start. Nobody's name is put into the book of life. My name was in the book of life before Adam and Eve were ever created. Everybody's was. 
See, see, this is a real thing, guys. God wants you to be free. Life and death is in the power of your tongue. You don't have to... You don't have to worry about learning this. The Holy Spirit will see to it that you discern it all. He will teach you the word. He will walk you and surround you with the right people if you just never say no to him. But to say yes to him, you're going to have to say no to this. And the first thing he's going to start working on you is your mouth and in the first arena, it's to be to stop beating yourself up. Stop saying I'm not smart. Stop saying I can't do that. Stop saying, well, I'm just going to do this. Like it's all about you. No, that's just pride. It leads to destruction. He'll help you. And how we do it is you learn. He jumps from Romans chapter 8 to Romans chapter 12 and he tells us, This is how you got to do it. Step number one, you got to present your body a living and holy sacrifice to God. That's Romans 12, 1. And then he says, don't be pressed into the mold of the world, but be transformed as you renew your mind with the word of God so that you can not only see, but that you can walk out and determine by experience God's will for your life, which is life on his level. Amen? Amen. So how do, we keep our, how do we keep our speech correct? we got to go back and we got to guard our thought life. I want to encourage you, go to the Lord, ask him, who do I need to spend less time with? Who do I need to spend more time with? What does my schedule need to look like as far as spending time with the Lord? Build your whole life around him. And you'll get more done. You'll, I mean, he'll take you from where you are. And next thing you know, you'll be right where you should be. He's got a lot for you. Amen?